a bit like us, we are so sick to death of Brexit and the political scene. But yet, no matter what your political persuasion is, um, you know, how you voted, what you think, we are getting Brexit done at last. Um, and there's such a new hope, isn't there, in this new government? And, uh, you know, how will it all turn out? We don't know. We don't know. Time will tell. But locally, here in our church, here personally, how did we all do in our earthly hope that this Christmas would be a good one? Was it a good one? Oh, okay. Hmm. What were you hoping for then? Um, did you receive it? Did you get your presents that you hoped for, children? Did you, were you all really pleased Christmas morning when you opened your presents? Was it great? Yeah? Did you hope that there would be less sprouts and more roast potatoes? Did you get that wish? What about you adults? Perhaps you were hoping for good relationships and a good time with relatives, no arguments perhaps? Perhaps the children might not argue. That was a, a good hope, isn't it? But however your Christmas was, we hope it was a good one for you all. Um, but these last few weeks, as we've done this course, we've been focusing on the subject of hope. And uh, if you can cast your minds back to the beginning of the series, we heard Anna speak brilliantly. Um, and she reminded us about the roots of true hope uh, being found in God's consistent character and in his faithfulness. We can here today, as the people and the children of God, um, have a confident expectation that God will do all that he says he's going to do, and he's doing it, and he will do it. He will bring it to completion. And Anna reminded us, didn't she, that we are to eagerly pursue God and all the hope uh, that is found in him. Sai then spoke about the hope of the nations. Uh, he reminded us that true hope lies in the promise that one day God will return. Jesus will come back. And for now, we have the wonderful assurance and access to both that hope and the peace through his spirit living in us. Jesus, Sai told us, was the hope of the nations because, as it says in Acts 4, there is no other name by which the nations will be saved. And last Sunday, if you remember, Duncan spoke about the hope of heaven, our true home. It's where we're heading. Heaven is a place and a time to come when we will live with God and where there will be no more grieving or pain. An amazing place. We can't understand yet, the Bible tells us, of all that God has prepared for us in that place. And then, if you remember, Sai reminded us on Christmas Day of the hope in Jesus that can never be crushed. Sai reminded us that the cross didn't happen by man's design. It wasn't an accident through the will of man, but through God's good, perfect, wonderful plan of perfect, perfect rescue to save us. We are God's children, select, sealed in, internally by the Holy Spirit, we have that sealing. And because of that, that promise within us that we carry, uh, we will spend forever and ever and ever with him. Jesus is the hope that is uncrushable. Jesus is our true hope for the future. So it seems to me that we've got a choice to make. Uh, we can choose to follow 
one type of hope, which is our earthly hope, where we look to ourselves and the things around us that we put our hope in. We can say no thanks to God and we continue our lives without reference to him. Or we can focus on our heavenly hope and that fixes not on us, but it fixes on all, it doesn't fix on what's happening around us or in the world, but on the hope of all that God says will happen and all that God says in the Bible will happen. So we're going to, uh, this morning, we'd like to share with you a little bit of our story of how meeting Jesus changed that long-held hope we had in the world to the hope we now know is kept for us in heaven. So, it was the autumn of 1988, which to a lot of you here would be a long time ago and in a galaxy far away, which was actually Bradford, because that's where I was. And in the middle of one night, I called out to God for the first time. I called out to this God I didn't know, and I told him, I want a husband. I'm so lonely. God heard my prayer miraculously, and Chris turned up <laughs> on November the 18th. I remember the day, 1988. But if you want to hear the full story, you have to come along to where? Yay! You were listening. Brilliant. So, I fell in love with Lynn, uh, and I, I reckon, if my memory serves me right, it was about our fourth date. I knew that I loved her. And, uh, and then on Christmas Eve, remember we met on the 18th of November? Christmas Eve, don't mess about me. Seven weeks after meeting this wonderful lady, I asked her if she would marry me. <laughs> on Christmas Day, the following morning, I had to drive to be with relatives for the day. Uh, and I was desperate for the evening to come so that I could drive back to be with her and her family at her parents' house. Mm. Meanwhile, back in Bradford and hardly able to eat a brothel sprout, my mother had given me an intriguing present that I was told I could only open when Chris arrived. I arrived. <laughs> so, where is it? Oh, it's here. He's hidden it. So it was under the tree. And uh, we opened the present together. But perhaps it, uh, somebody would like to come and open the present? And anybody guess what it is? Yeah. What do you think? Of? A book. A photo album. Yeah? Who'd like to come and open it up and show it? Come on then, you've got your hand up first. Come on. Keep going. Keep going. You're allowed to rip it, you know. Do you no, do it? It's do very, you open very your own neat, presents this delicately? Does he save paper? Is he? No. Oh. What is it? <laughs> That's right. It's a stool. <laughs> They're a very, uh, yeah. very intelligent group, this, isn't they? They're obviously all on the same way yeah. as your mother, aren't yes, they? Yes, she was. Yeah, she was, uh, she was very forward like that. So let's give you a little demonstration. My mother was very concerned about 
the crick in my neck. And you know, ladies, I'm six, uh, six, I'm not, I'm five foot seven, so I'm above average height for, a, you know, and he is exactly six foot seven, so that's one foot. It's not a lot, is it, 12 inches? Um, so here's a demonstration. This is how it looks if, if you know, without the stool. Okay. Oh, my back. Oh, <laughs> And of course, with the stool. Oh, well, that's nice. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, here's the thing. When I stood on that stool, you know, imagine me. I was 32 or something like that. And I had such a love for Chris and such hope for our future. And I believed... I was stood on solid ground on this little plastic stool, full of hope. We didn't know Jesus then. We married the following April, five months after meeting. My father said I was mad. How can you marry a man that you don't know? I wish he was here now because he'd surely find out. So in April 1999, 10 years into marriage, we both became Christians at the very same moment. Guess what? If you come on the marriage course, we'll tell you a little bit more about that story. Well, as you can imagine, over the ensuing 30 years, <laughs> uh, we've learnt a lot of things about each other uh, and about the world in those years. Uh, but there was always something missing. Nothing filled that missing gap. No promotion, no pay rises, no... Bigger house, holidays, new cars. Life looked really good on the outside. But on the inside, we were living like people without hope. Uh, it was like we were balancing on that plastic stool. And that plastic stool easily gets knocked over. Then, on the day that we knew in our hearts who Jesus was, this happened. That. we began to understand the good news about Jesus and the gospel. And rather than relying on worldly foundations, we had the solid rock. The plastic stool foundations, as I've shown you, can easily be knocked over. With the solid rock foundation of Jesus in our lives, the hope of Jesus, we had a hope for the future. Yeah. Much more stable. Can't mm. kick it over now. Yeah, we had true hope. And that foundation uh, of the rock of Jesus has been tested many times over the last 20 years through various trials and tribulations. And as many of you here know, uh, none more so than when I had a major operation for bowel and pelvic cancer in August 2016. Um, personally, I have no idea how people who are without the future hope of heaven go into battle standing and relying on a little plastic stool, standing upon worldly hope. Through God's gift of faith to Chris and myself, we remain standing on the rock who is Jesus. It was a really hard testing time for me 
and for Chris and my, my lovely family who rallied around beautifully. But never, you know, at any point at all from being told the diagnosis through chemotherapy or anything, was I afraid of death. Death had no fear for me. The biggest stress, though, was caused by the pain of having to imagine losing a temporary separation from Chris and from my family. But boy, did I get mad with death about that one. I was really mad. And sometimes I was really mad with God, too. Statistically, I shouldn't be here. But our God is the God of statistics, who created statistics. And statistically, that's a hard word to say, nothing is impossible with God. He is the God of our most precious future hope. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, it tells us what hope really is. Our hope is a sure and certain hope of something that is not yet seen. It isn't visible yet. It is a hope built on faith. And in believing this, at the cross Jesus was sacrificed, that spotless, perfect lamb died to pay for our sins. God looks on us now as spotless too and acceptable. Uh, he clothes us in white robes, it tells us. And he puts the hope of heaven in our hearts. Hallelujah. He puts the hope of heaven in our hearts. Can you get your head around that? And the hope that, that we now carry inside us rests upon one miraculous event that God, that God did. He raised Jesus from the dead. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 19, that if this single event did not happen, then our hope is futile. It's worthless. Our hope is pointless and our faith is ridiculous. We are deluding ourselves with a lie and we are to be pitied above all men. But let's look at where our hope is truly found. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And that's 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. So we are having... A living hope, a hope that lives inside us through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And it's only because of God's raising Jesus from the final, finality of death that we carry this hope. See, do you see, the resurrection is the fulfillment of God's promise that we will be reunited with God. We have the assurance that we are now friends with God and not his enemies. Do you also see that God caused it to happen? All of it is his work. Our hope is truly ridiculous if Jesus was not raised from the dead. And if you're here this morning and you can confess with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, as Romans 10.9 states, you are both saved and born again. Do you see? It's not enough to say that you believe in God with your mouth, but you must also know in the depth of your being that God raised his very self from the dead. And this one merciful, miraculous, awesome act alone separates the three world religions. Followers of Islam believe in the Quran, which records that Jesus did not die on the cross, but that he was revived and he went on to live. Jesus is a revered prophet, but he is not Lord. Followers of the Jewish faith are still waiting for the arrival of the promised Messiah. They didn't recognize him. And it's not until God reveals Jesus to both of these nations that they will be able to confess that Jesus is Lord and to believe that the resurrection happened in their hearts. Look at the promise then in this passage of our inheritance. Nothing can touch it because it's kept safe where Jesus is in heaven. The promise does not have a sell-by date, it can't be made dirty, and it will never fade away like a mist. And further, we are being guarded through that, that faith that God gives us for a salvation yet to be revealed. What a promise. What a hope. So, when you think about it, on Tuesday, the world will invite us to make New Year's resolutions, new commitments for the year ahead. And it's good, isn't it, to take stock of our lives and to have a little sort out and a rubbish at the start of a fresh new year. I love sorting things out. Uh, this week, we're going to have a new kitchen made. We've got building works coming and things like that. And I can't wait to get into my cupboards and have a real good cull, you know, that sort of thing. Um, uh, and, and that's a good thing. I'm, I'm hopeful that the kitchen will be lovely and we'll enjoy it and we'll be able to bless lots of people in it. And I'm looking forward to all the cooking. <laughs> it's going to come out of it. So it's not wrong to have worldly hope. It's a good thing. Hope springs eternal, doesn't it, in the human breast, it's said. Um, it's good for the kids. They're looking forward to going back to school and uh, being top of the class, things like that. Um, holidays that are coming this year, brilliant. A new home, perhaps. How lovely to celebrate that. Hope that things will go well for us and for our families. And... Uh, Perhaps we might be looking for a little bit of romance, like, uh, like I did at this time of year. But be very careful if you do get a stool as a present. <laughs> and, you know, someone once said about hope as Christians in this world, uh, that putting our hope in Jesus is, is like this. It's not pie in the sky when we die, but steak on a plate while we wait, isn't it? Or hummus, if you're not particularly careful uh, caring for steak, if it doesn't float your boat. Um, we are to live life now full of hope. And uh, we have to, in all its fullness, Jesus says, didn't he? But we have always to have the hope of heaven, always deep in our souls. So if God is speaking to you this morning, and you're seeing perhaps for the first time that God's, from God's words that we've been reading, that is in that it is possible to make your peace with God. There is no fence to sit upon. There's no plastic stool to reply upon. 
You either have God as a friend or as an enemy. God invites you to respond to him. So please speak to a person that near you that brought you or come and speak to Lynn and I or to one of the elders. But please don't go home and miss the opportunity to meet with the God who saves. Don't step out into 2020 thinking you might respond later to this call for your salvation. God loves you and wants to bring you home. Thank you, guys. So as we, um, as we bring the band back up, let's just have a look at our final destination. The hope that we have in the resurrection, as we've talked about, is like a portal or a doorway into a new world, into eternal joy. Um, if you read the passage in 1 Peter 1, a little further on, the result of all that hope is that uh, in Jesus uh, we have faith that our souls will be saved. We know that when we die, we go to be with Jesus. And can you think how glorious that will be? Wouldn't we just want to love him and praise him and worship him? Well, we will. Read with me now a prophecy about you. If, as Chris said, you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Christ was risen from the dead, that God lifted him from death, if you continue to hope and trust in him, if you fix your eyes on him and hunger to know him more, to seek him while he may still be found, then this is your sure and certain destination. You are here in this book of Revelation. You are one of the saved souls, clothed in that white uh, robe that Chris talked about. Um, here you are, the final book of the Bible in Revelation. God opens up the book to show you a little bit about what will happen on that day when we're all gathered together as his church, his bride. Revelation 7, 9 to 12. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is our hope for the future. This, the rock of life our future hope. His name is Jesus.